I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Dustin Ross, my love, how was your weekend? My weekend was wonderful, Ebony, and I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready for the reason? I, I am with bated breath. Go ahead. <clears throat> I watched episode two of <laughs> Roni. <laughs> and there was a scene. First of all, I just want to say that, that that crisp white button down with those jeans and those those brown classic pumps, that Birkin, you did your work, okay? Thank Second you, of all, you know, I just gave a little Hampton chic, honey. Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was perfect. But what really, really... Um, just set with me and, and 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 aligned with my heart and my principles was when you checked Ramona for not being able to say what you needed to say. She was over talking you, Ebony. Oh, and you told, yes, 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 Ebony. When I tell you that is the stuff that Real Housewife dreams are made of. So I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that scene. I just wanted you to know that's why I had a good weekend. I love, I love that you picked that up because like, I thought I was crazy. Like when we were actually filming that scene, I'm like, does this bitch not hear me talking to her? And I was very serious. I was like, maybe my voice decibel is too uh-huh. like, You know, I have a big booming voice. Yep. So, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know how like, seriously, not to be shady, how dogs can't hear certain decibels. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I honestly feel some humans are that way. So I was and like, maybe you this bitch can't you hear You met me. one right there with Miss Singer, honey. Yes. It was funny, too, because when you were like, when you check Ramona, I was sitting over here like, which time? Um, <laughs> but you know what? This, um, you know, <laughs> we're going to drop, obviously, this episode of Holding Court, y'all, on Wednesday. So make sure that you watch this week's episode of Roni. I actually can't wait to see what you think of this week, Dustin, because, you know, Ramona and I, have a conversation, okay. and I really want to know how it lands with you. Um, I, I can't authentic. wait. Yeah, I can't wait to. I can't wait to. I think it'll be very interesting. Um, so in addition to to that, it, it related to Housewives, uh, our one of our favorite Atlanta Housewives, of course, Miss Candy Burris, baby. Yes, um, yes. She, she gave it back, right back to Wanya Morris. And, you know, she did it, Dustin, in a really well-produced episode of was on this note? Yes, on that, on that note. On, on that, that note. note. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really good. One thing I got to give Candy is this woman really understands um, how to always maximize content creation at every turn. And you know I love I mean? it. Like, it really increases her value as a housewife, right? Because we get so much context. Percent. Yeah, and things make more so much more sense. So I love it. I love it. Now, instead of us sitting here right now in this intro and breaking it all the way down, because I think it is a close correlation to our first story on the docket, actually. Okay. And I want to, yes, I want to use what Candy is dropping in this commentary that she offered on YouTube to really send a message to why some of this bullshit going on in our first story could have been avoided. And of course, our first story is the story that everybody in entertainment is really talking about. Mm. And that is um, Joe Budden. V, uh, his now former co-host on the Joe Budden co- podcast, Rory and Mal. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Now, before we get into uh, that conflict between Joe and Rory and, and Mal, we'd be remiss, of course, on holding court not to at least mention the fact that there is now an allegation of sexual harassment against Joe Budden. Um, from one of the former co-hosts uh, on one of the shows on the Joe Budden Podcast Network, Miss mm-hmm. uh, DJ Olivia Dope. 
Now, listen, uh, at this point, there are allegations. Uh, you know, we don't do rumor and speculation here on holding court. Right. So what we're going to do, uh, as always, Dustin, we're going to stay on the case. We're going to follow development. And mm-hmm. as uh, any criminal or civil charges are filed, y'all know I, I don't give a damn who the alleged victim is, uh, excuse me, alleged victim actually or accused, uh, we will cover it uh, yeah. because we have to follow the law uh, and the For facts sure. here at Holden Court. Um, all right. So listen, back to Joe Budden v. Rory and Mal. This is... Um, this is really just a hot ass mess um, for so many reasons. I want to say first and foremost, because I know a lot of people are curious as to my thoughts on this, because obviously uh, I used to host uh, co-host State of the Culture yes. with Joe Budden. Yes, now, you did a I great job say, at it. But oh, thank you, baby. Um, I want to say this. I've never been in a direct agreement with Joe Budden. So I want to start with that fact. OK, uh, my agreement was with Revolt. So I don't know what it is to do business with Joe Budden directly. But I do want to give some legal analysis here, uh, uh, you know, Dustin, as we look and the outside is looking in on what seems to be now turning into a pretty messy legal dispute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became legal uh, once, at least on the outside looking in, uh, Joe said what he said. And let's go into what Joe said. Uh, so here's the facts. Uh Joe and Rory and Mal very successfully all co-hosted the Joe Budden podcast for many, many years. I think about six years total. Uh, show at one time was number one, uh, still always charting at the highest levels in the podcasting space. To give everybody their flowers that, w- that have been involved in the Joe Budden podcast, Dustin, uh, you know, they really set a precedent um, for, you know, the, the gravitas and the, the levels at which podcasting can go. So shout out to all of them for that. As we've seen, uh, the, the the trio has just completely fallen apart. It seems to be particularly sad because these young men um, were friends, you know, seemed like they were very close friends. And it's always sad when you see business dealings uh, erupting and corroding uh, a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely seems to be the case here. So it seems like this, Dustin, it seems like when she went left, at least according to Joe. Mm-hmm was when Rory and Mal had their lawyers reach out to see the new deal terms. Now, let's back it up. If you're not familiar, you don't follow the Joe Budden podcast. They've had a changing uh, platform in the past year yes. where they, yes, they, 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 and they were very public with this, uh, chose to end their relationship with Spotify. Uh, Joe was very vocal, pretty much saying, fuck you to Spotify. We don't like the terms. Fuck out of here with these Rolexes and all this. You know, you can listen to all this stuff in their back catalog. Okay. So he, as the boss and and owner of the podcast and leader of the Joe Button podcast, decided to take himself and his co-host, Rory and Mal, and go to a new platform. This, um, of course, is the Patreon platform, where Joe is also, I believe, Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he an executive of, of sorts? Yes. Uh, the, in the new deal that he executed with them, he did receive a title. It seemed like a vanity title to me, but he did get a title as some sort of executive over. Um, I can't remember the exact. Yeah, like, I think it's I think it's like um, creators equity creator. yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is something like that, mm-hmm, which could mm-hmm. be ironic. We'll see. I um, mean, well, let me just wait. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I've been, you know, waiting to talk to you about this on Ooh. air so that we could. Yeah. So here's the deal. I'm going to just read you what Joe said, and then we'll get into it. Okay. 
Joe Button says this, and this is out there, y'all, in the ethos for you to listen to and check the receipts. Joe says, change the splits, change the benchmarks. Hey, y'all go get a deal and bring it back. I'll take less, not much less, but I'll take less if y'all source it. Hey, y'all go get the advertiser and the integration. Hey, we talk about these deals all the time. You bring it, you eat different. I bring it, I eat different. Y'all N-words ain't brought shit and got the nerve to have your representation that ain't been around in six years hit Ian's phone, Ian is Joe's manager, Mm -hmm. about something. Now, I won't say what I want to say, but y'all will not continue to treat me this way. Y'all take the fucking dark energy, that arrogance, that entitlement somewhere else. Since Rory feels like he has so many options, we're going to do this. Rory, you're in breach of your contract. And from here forward, you are fired and you're not welcome back. Okay, so let's put a pin in that. Joe, put he, he put a lot in there, okay? Number one, he's, tell, he's telling us that this man is in breach of his contract. Now, we, of course, can't verify this because we have not seen the paperwork that, this, right. that supports the agreement between right. Rory and Joe. But at least Joe's making that allegation. Now, I think it's very telling here, Dustin, again, without seeing any of this paperwork, that Joe's taking particular issue around the fact that they're asking to see the deal. Because that's really what this looks like. It looks like mm-hmm. Joe's hostile because his co-hosts want to see the deal terms. They want to put their eyes on the paperwork that dictates their fee, their portion of the split, okay? Change the splits. That's what he's referring to there. Yeah. Change the benchmarks. Of course, we know that's probably referring to something like per many downloads, per many streams, this is how much you make, that mm-hmm, kind of shit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is to me where we're going to get back to the minutia of Rory and Mal and all of this because, of course, they had a response video as well, which we'll talk about. But this is what's interesting to me. Let's just say Joe's right. Let's say for six years, their representation, their legal team didn't ask to see and were unaware of the minutia of the deal. Now, this is where we're going to bring in Miss Candy Burris. Okay. Now, according to Candy's, um, uh, on that note, YouTube, she's, she really lays it out exactly, I believe, as, as she recalls it with her and Wanye and the whole boys to men uh, shenanigans that went down in what she describes as the most disrespectful studio shit of her life mm-hmm. and um, the worst studio experience she had with an artist. Candy Dustin, remember, she's like, she at the end of writing in the studio the songs with collaboratively, which everybody concedes. Yeah. Candy simply, simply asked the question, according to her, how do y'all normally do uh, your splits? And long story short, y'all got to go listen to all 16 minutes because it's very much worth your time. Every Candy minute. said, right? Candy basically says that it is at that point that she said everything changed. The energy in the studio changed. Wanye got tight and was like, on some, what you mean, the splits, what you mean? And she's like, well, you know, I just kind of want to know how everybody does it differently. Um, how do y'all do it? And basically, you know, it was kind of rough. And he, and he was like, well, you know, they go back and forth. And they kind of loosely agree to like a 25% split, you know, amongst them, whatever. Then she says immediately, Wanye and them get in the car with their representative. Immediately, Wanye calls uh, Candy's rep, her manager, Mm -hmm. a man, 
and says, you know what? Nah, we're not giving her 25% on the song that we feel like we predominantly wrote. And here's the part, Dustin. And Candy says she heard it because this is, you know, the phone wasn't that far away from her earshot. Mm-hmm. How dare she fix her mouth? Fix her mouth. Evan. To even say the words uh, uh, split fees or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's the problem, Dustin Ross. So without going into all the minutia of all this shit and relitigating some shit that's not really any of our business, this is the problem I want the people to understand. Let's normalize, because it seems as if folks are out here getting mad, whole big fucking mad, because people are asking for an accounting and an understanding of what's going on with the business. Right. And Candy says at the end of her YouTube video that, you know, this is what happens when you don't negotiate the business on the front end. Boom. Is that then people feel entitled. People feel arrogant. People feel offended at the mere asking of the fucking question. And And that, I believe, is the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really do. Um, I think at least from what I've been, I'm being told and, you know, what's being said by both Joe and the Rory and Mal side of it. I think that's the problem, Dustin. And I'm not saying who's right or wrong here, because, again, without seeing the contract, the four corners of the document, I can't tell you who's in the legal right. Oh, I okay. Can. okay. And, and here's how, Ebony. And hmm. I don't care. Everything that we heard from the statement that Joe made in response to. Rory and Mal making an inquiry reflected his ego being bruised and him being offended by the notion that they were even inquiring about the business details. Second of all, I don't know what planet he's from, but that whole with what you bring to you bring the deal to the table, you eat more. I bring it. I eat less. First of all, that's not how you do business. This is the Joe Budden podcast. Everybody has a role to play. They're your co-hosts. You are you have assumed uh, everyone should have agreed to, you know, the roles that they were playing in this on the front end, just like you said. And that whole handshake business shit and Joe feeling entitled to more and entitled to all of those things. Of course, he is entitled to a larger share of the profit because it's his goddamn show. That's common sense. But the way that he's doing that by trying to shame them, Ebony, and act like they're wrong. And the fact that this even went on for so many years without some clarity of the business that was going on is a hot ghetto ass mess. And it's completely indicative of what we have seen thus far from Joe Budden and his history of bad business deals. And I think it also is a shame because he's been quite vocal about what he thought were bad business deals for other podcasts that he was Mm. in direct competition in his own head with. Okay. Quite vocal. Talked a lot of shit about other people having bad deals that they weren't in when looky, looky, Looky the fuck looky. Looky the fuck looky. Well, well, shit. Now, you know, went and going and told the truth. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? We're going to call a spade a spade. This is all a ghetto mess. They should have had more respect for that show than to even make this public and try. What is the point of getting the public involved in on this, on y'all's business behind this podcast? Respect the show and have enough respect for the integrity of it that you do good business with each other so that the show is not affected and and smeared and tainted by all of this mess that everyone is going to remember forever. This is a shame, Ebony. Well, this is now the legacy of the show. Yeah. 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 The legacy of what, like I said, was a six-year, I think, real pinnacle 
of the of the height in which podcasts, particularly black podcasts, can 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 go. Uh, because Joe Budden podcast transcended the highest heights of podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, and now the whole fucking legacy of the shit is gonna be this messy ass shit. Um, I wasn't gonna say shit, but fuck it, you know. Um, <laughs> I haven't spoken to Joe mm-hmm. um since August of 2020. I called Joe Button on his birthday to say happy birthday, fellow Virgo. Joe didn't call me back. Joe didn't answer. Fine. I hit Joe in his DMs. Maybe, you know. He out the country. He's not getting his phones. I don't know. I never heard from Joe to this day, Dustin. Mm. Now, and Joe and I enjoyed, a, I think, a really nice professional relationship up until that point. Yes. Now, the only thing that I know that changed from when Joe and I would speak, not frequently, not best friends, but certainly regularly. Cordial. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much more than cordial. Mm-hmm. You know, he called me for advice if he wanted to uh, get some context and, and and legal and political nuance to how to make an argument for on his podcast about Trump or politics or things that he knew were my bag. Sure. Um, and I would pick up and, and, and send him notes around it and vice versa. When mm-hmm. I would want to get, you know, business advice around, you know, uh, podcasting landscape and stuff, he would do the same. And then right. it went ice cold. And then Joe Button basically professionally ghosted me. And the only thing mm-hmm. that I can think that changed, Dustin, is he became aware that I was doing this show, holding court with Ebony K. Williams, and I was going to do it on the Black Effect Network, okay. which is headed up by his frenemy, I suppose, mm-hmm. Charlemagne the God. Now, if and indeed, and I don't know, Dustin, if that's indeed the reason that Joe just decided to, you know, cease our professional relationship. But if that's the reason, I think that's very fucking sad. Yeah. Um, cause I always was a professional with Joe. I delivered. Um, and sure it, 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 it was really unfortunate to me that you couldn't even be a grown up enough to say, yo, E, if you indeed had a feeling about that, I would have loved to welcome you to my uh, upcoming network. And we could have done, if that's indeed the situation, but see, then that doesn't fly Dustin. Why? I went to Joe many times, no less than three. Yeah. Way before there was ever a deal done with the Black Effect Network. Before the Black Effect Network was even something I was staunchly aware was was coming to fruition. Right, right. Because I was already, obviously, even though, yes, Charlemagne the God and I have had a long-standing, almost five-year professional relationship, we weren't in business together in that way at that point. Totally get it. So I was hosting, um, co-hosting State of the Culture with Joe. The, our on-air professional chemistry was obvious. So mm-hmm. I went to Joe no less than three times. Hey, Joe, what do you think about, you know, um, and this is when he was on Spotify, Dustin. What do you think about, uh, you know, I'm shopping something over at Spotify. What do you think about um, collaborating in some kind of way? You know, um, maybe putting this, uh, you know, uh, adding this as a supplemental content offering to the audience you're clearly building successfully at Spotify. He basically said, yo, E, I think you're great. I think you're talented. I think your podcast will be a hit. I don't have the bandwidth. Cool. No problem, no Dustin. No problem at all. I respect that. You know, yeah. you, you're doing a lot, brother. No problem. I don't expect anybody to hold my hand in this fucking business. Yeah. You know? So have the conversation with Charlotte. I was prepared, as you know, Dustin. Fuck yes. the bullshit. Let's just tell the whole story. Before there was any deal, I was going to fund this podcast out of my own pocket. It was moving forward. It was moving steam, full forward. Full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. We had already gotten you in a deal. Yep. We were already clear on the editorial. We yep. had already gotten the space. Yeah. Done. 
And then in the ninth hour, our brother Charlemagne the God and the good people at our heart yes, made a did. deal that was worthwhile to, to launch this show. Yes. That is simply what happened. Nothing was ever personal. I don't think anybody was disrespected. But like I said, one day I was talking to Joe Budden. The next day I wasn't. Mm. Um, so when I see this falling out with him and Maury and, and uh, excuse me, Rory and Mal, um, it doesn't surprise me, Dustin, for the same reasons that you articulated. I think it's unfortunate. And I think this is the lesson. And I'm not shaming Rory and Mal with what I'm about to say. No, not at all. But this is exactly what happens. This is the ammunition you give someone that you're in business with when you do not show up with business principles, transparency, and, you know, just moving a certain way in the beginning of the fucking relationship. Exactly. Because had they been dealing with Joe that way at the onset, a lot of this could have been avoided. What happened was, at least according to Joe's story, and I don't think they really dispute this part, they were kind of operating on some handshake bullshit, like you said. Not that they didn't have paperwork, but they were okay to let Joe take the lead. They were okay to let Joe uh, drive the wheel, so to speak, around Mm -hmm. the business dealings of the Joe Button podcast. And to a certain extent, like you said, Dustin Ross, it's his podcast. I get that. He took the financial risk. He was the one that was deep pocketed in the game. So it makes sense. But, and I remember thinking this, not saying anything, because it certainly wasn't any of my business then nor now, Mm -hmm. but here we are. I remember when Joe was like cussing out Spotify on air, talking big shit and saying, basically, it could have been, you know, close to $100 million and still suck my dick Spotify. I remember all Mm -hmm, that, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I wonder how Rory and Mal really feel about that decision you know exactly i remember wondering that and and not knowing them at all to know if they were bought into that if they were totally aligned with joe on that most importantly i wondered had they at least seen the offering from spotify to say that we collaboratively have decided to pass on this in lieu of another opportunity and platform Something in my spirit, Dustin said, I don't know that these motherfuckers know what's really on the table. Hmm. And they're trusting Joe to lead them to a place of uncertainty. And it looks like that's what came to pass here. Well, you know, I think that um, I think that podcasting is something that for some people is really new. And a lot of times people feel like they can just turn on the mic and talk shit. But let this be a lesson in being organized in your effort all across the board, from the business to the presentation to the product, literally being organized, having your shit together, putting in effort and having enough respect for the show that you give it your best. And that goes beyond just what you say on the mic. Okay, it's a lot of other work that goes into making a podcast successful. That's the thing, y'all. You let people get too fucking comfortable with you. And they presume that that means you're going to just be treated any old kind of way and that you're going to accept any old terms that they decide upon. So the lesson is, I'll give you another example of where this happened. Happened with Steve Harvey and NBC. Mm. This happened when Steve, so when Steve Harvey first started doing the Steve Harvey show with NBC Universal, NBC Universal owned the show and Steve Harvey was hired talent. Okay. Fine. At some point, the show blew the fuck up. 
great. Steve decided, I don't want to be talent anymore. I want to own my show. Yeah. You think NBC Universal is going to say, oh, no problem, Steve. We can't wait to give you ownership. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. They're not. They're not. And it cost him. And we see what happened with all of those NBC Universal pairings and partnerships that he had. They all went away. And he had to move the show. Literally, yeah. I forgot where he originally taped, but I think it had to move to Chicago. Changed mm-hmm. the name of the show. Went from the Steve Harvey show to Steve. Steve. Mm-hmm. You know, and the rest is history. So here's the moral of the story. I'm not mad at Steve Harvey for wanting to own his show. That makes all the sense in the world. But you sure. have to start it the way you want to fucking finish it. Yep. That's the moral of the story, y'all. If you want to be treated as a partner, which it sounds like more, uh, excuse me, Rory and Mal eventually wanted to be treated, you have to start the relationship as a partnership. The problem is y'all started as sidekick talent. At least that was Joe's perception of you. Literally. Literally. And as disposable and replaceable. And that's how he treated you. And when you wanted to be respected as business partners, thus being privy to transparency, accounting, auditing of the books and the deals, you got shitted on. Yep. So y'all, this goes to me to any relationship. My grandma, Katie, late grandma, Katie Williams, brilliant, beautiful woman. Yes. Katie said, the baby don't start no shit. You're not prepared to finish. Mm. Don't start nothing. Meaning, even in a relationship, ladies, if you know your ass is not a cook, don't start dating the man cooking every fucking week. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> Dustin, this happens. You're right. You want to be impressive right. and shit. You're trying to trap him with the poom poom and the yep. fucking lasagna, whatever the shit scheming ass you're doing. And then after he's your man, after you're in a relationship, after you've gotten the ring, your ass don't cook no more. Right, y'all eat fish sticks then. Well, what the hell happened to the filet mignon? Right. Yeah. Men, don't start some shit you're not going to keep up. That's right. If you're paying for all the dinner dates, you're taking care of her hair and nails and buying bags and, you know, going downtown when you need to go downtown. Yep. Don't stop the shit now that we go together. No. Don't stop the shit now that we're married. It's only it only makes sense. Don't start shit y'all can't finish, y'all. This is the root of so many fucking problems. Yes. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, it's just too bad that it took all of this, that it had to go this far and this public and this and it had to become this messy for them. This is a bad thing professionally for their reputations and for I mean, it's great for the audience. Everybody looks bad. Yeah, there you go. Everybody looks bad. You know, right here, Dustin, nobody looks good. Rory and Mal uh, don't know the brothers. They both seem extremely talented. For sure. uh, But they look like some fucking fools. They look like they played themselves here and wanted to have some act right in the end, and it didn't work out for them. Joe? Um, you know, I, I always have much love and respect for you. Even if you want to ghost me, that's fine. I don't take the shit personal. Cause I know I'm not the first nor the last. You will treat this way. Um, <laughs> but you look like a fucking tyrant. Yeah. You look like a problematic tyrant. Egomaniac. A egomaniac that gets in your own way. Despite your incredible level of talent, you look like someone that will work overtime to sabotage yourself. Yeah. That's what you look like. Everybody looks bad here. I pray for all involved. Everyone's talented. Everyone deserves success. Yeah, I agree. All right. We spent a lot of time on that more than I intended, but I think it was (laughs) worth it. Uh, We're going to go to commercial break so we can pay our bills so we don't have these kind of problems. Uh, And then then we're going 
going to come back with much more holding court on the way. Stay with us. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Holding Court. Uh, as promised, next up on our docket. Now, this is an interesting one, Dustin. Um, it went under a lot of people's radar, but I wanted to bring it up on the show because there's an important life lesson for all involved. Uh, okay. And for really, most importantly, our listening audience. So now this is Gary Owens. Y'all know he's the uh, comedian, white guy, uh, rose to fame on Comic View all those mm-hmm, years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and has since actually enjoyed a quite lucrative career in movies and television. Um, so much so that... He might not be one of those first A-list names you speak about uh, when you think about like gazillionaire talents. Right. Uh, but Gary Owens to made some bags. Please I believe, believe it. I believe it. Please believe it. So now his wife, beautiful black woman by the name of Kenya Duke, uh, she has filed for divorce and she's seeking Dustin $44,000 a month in okay. spousal support. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I first saw that, my first thought was like, damn, I didn't even know Gary Owens had like 44000 like a month. Yeah. To, right. But apparently he does, uh, at least according to her claims. So I want to break this down and I want to really share what people need to know, Dustin, about spousal support. Because a lot of people don't really know the difference between spousal support and child support. They think they do. They don't. Okay. Uh, and they don't understand how someone can qualify for spousal support and then what can disqualify it. So let me break some of this shit down. So again, Gary Owens, now estranged wife, Kenya Duke filed for divorce back in March. Now she claims Dustin that Gary Owens, since she filed has stopped supporting her and their three children in their entirety. What says that he's not um, responding to text. He's basically ghosted her. He won't respond to anything about the money. Now I want to put a caveat though, because we should talk about these three kids. Okay, first of all, one of these children is is actually not Gary Owens' biological child. Okay. Um, and all three of these motherfucking kids are grown. Okay. Okay, so I just want to say from a legal standpoint, I understand probably what she's inferencing here, which is like, you know, he was taking care of all of us, right, right. and now he's not. But guess what? The, the, he has actually no legal responsibility to take care of these grown-ass kids. Oh, shit. Okay, I just and a lot of people don't know that. So take that, Jim, y'all. Okay. Once someone is 18 years old, the law does not recognize any financial responsibility over a parent. Yeah. Okay. They grown. Tell them to go get a fucking job. J-O-B. Like, who was that that told their son to go get a job and everybody was mad? Was it Brian McKnight? <laughs> it was somebody. It was Brian McKnight or Kirk Franklin. Yeah. Or they somebody. was mad as hell, though. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, makes sense to me. But anyway... <laughs> No, I'm with the. I think that's crazy that yeah. like parents of any income status are expected to fucking financially support grown ass kids. I've been working since I was 15, getting the exactly. fuck out of here. Exactly. Anyway, I digress. Yes. Uh, back to this divorce. <laughs> uh, in the document, uh, his estranged wife writes this, Dustin. She says, "While I was hoping to come to an amicable agreement with my husband, he has unfortunately left me with no choice but to file for this RFO. That's a request for order for okay. support." Now, Gary and I have been married for over 17 years. 23 years ago, I left my promising career as an account manager to solely support Gary and his career. Now, I slowed that down for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read that last part one more time. That's important. 23 years ago, I left my promising career as an account manager to solely support Gary and his career. 
Now, this is her lawyer speaking, of course, for her now, because the lawyer did some things you have to do to get spousal support, Dustin. You have to prove, number one, that you were a dependent spouse financially. Because mm. let's just, let's pretend, and she claims in the document that Gary Owens was making um, $200,000 to $400,000 a month. That's a lot of fucking money. Okay. Mm. But even if that's true, if she were also making uh, $200,000 to $400,000 a month, or even Dustin Ross, she didn't even have to be doing that well. If she was even making $50,000 a month, or even $10,000 a month, something mm -hmm. that significantly contributed to the lifestyle that they lived together as man and wife, she would be disqualified from spousal support at the onset. Why? Really? Yes. Family law requires that in order to qualify for spousal support, there has to be two things at play, Dustin. Has to be a, a kind of a sponsoring spouse and a dependent spouse. So that dynamic of there being one person earning and one person receiving has to be at play. So here's some free jewelry. If you don't want to find yourself having to pay spousal support, no matter your gender, your sexual orientation, or your income, this is what you got to do. Make sure that the person you are married to is never in a position of not earning. Mm. Okay? I don't care how rich you are. Because if whether you're rich or not rich, let's, let's change the facts here, Dustin. Let's say Gary Owens works at the local Popeyes. And Gary Owens makes... I don't know. I'm going to make this number up. $2,000 a month. Okay. If his wife doesn't work at all, guess what? He's still on the hook for spousal support, even making just $2,000 a month because he has contributed to a dynamic that under the law recognizes her as a dependent spouse. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So I always say all my friends, male, female, non-binary, rich, poor, black, white, other. Don't let your spouse just sit at home. <laughs> your motherfucking Please. ass ain't sitting at home with me ever. Okay, ever. get your because ass out of here and work. <laughs> I don't, and, and work anywhere. I don't give yeah. a fuck if it's at the Starbucks making lattes. Take your ass to work. The minute, and that's why she, her, and her legal team worded it that way. I left my career to solely support Gary and his career. She's making a legal argument, D that her value in the marriage was as his support so that he could go earn that two hundred to $400,000 a month. Yeah. Thus, her entitlement to a portion of it. She's also doing this. She's saying that she had a promising career as an account manager. So she's saying to the court, I was in a high-earning position at one point. I abandoned that earning to, to throw all of my intelligence, all of my support, all of my value yeah. in this marriage to increase his value. And yeah. as such, I'm due a legal portion. That's the argument. If y'all don't fucking understand it, rewind that part of the podcast and run it back. Yeah. It's very important. If you allow your spouse, and the court don't really care about the gender no more because these same arguments are being made by the husbands of Sherry Shepard, when she divorced his ass, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what's his name? Kendu motherfucking ass with Mary. Oh yeah. Kendu. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, Halle Berry's exes. Yes. You know, so the court doesn't care anymore about the gender. They care about, did this person make an argument that says that their value of the marriage was to support you 
and your high ass earnings. If they successfully make that argument, you got to pay them. You got to pay them. That's that. And that's that. Um, now, to get into the numbers right quick, uh, Gary Owens' wife, uh, Kendra Duke, says, Gary made monthly deposits in the sum of $44,000 that I would then use to pay all of our bills, credit cards, and personal spending for myself and the kids, grown-ass kids. Right. Um, I am requesting that Gary be ordered to continue making those monthly deposits as he's been doing. See, that go back to what we said before mm-hmm. the break. Don't start no shit you can't finish. Mm-hmm. Um, as he has been our status quo for approximately four years, as well as a lump sum payment of $88,000 for the last two months that he's failed to provide me with the funds. Okay, here we go, y'all. If indeed what she's saying is true and her lawyer can show the court that these monthly deposits in the sum of $44,000 have been made frequently and regularly over the past four years, He's going to have to pay it because the interpretation, Dustin, is you have set this woman up for a life in which she is now accustomed. You have accepted her full soul dependence on you. You have voluntarily contributed to it. And now you want to stop? Nah. You will continue. Now, the question some people have, Dustin, is how long does he have to, if, if indeed the court finds that her shit is accurate, He's assigned to $44,000 a month child, oh, excuse me, not child support because she, she gets no child support because these kids are too fucking grown. Right. Okay. Right. She's only entitled potentially to spousal support because she's identifying herself as the financially dependent spouse in which she was in this arrangement for 17 plus years. Mm-hmm. The court sides with her, Dustin. How long does Gary Owens have to pay this amount of money to this woman? It turns on two things. Number one, How long is he earning what she's able to prove that he's earning at the time of this order? Meaning, just like child support can be reduced, spousal support can be reduced as well. Let's say he is making between two and four hundred thousand dollars a month. God damn, that's a lot of money. Okay. Um, if next year he's only making between twenty and forty thousand, he can go in and get a reduction of that spousal support fee. Yeah, as a result, we okay? talked about that here, right? Yes, we talked about it. We talked about it in for Holly Halle Berry. Yes. She was able to get a modification and reduction of her child support for yes. her own goddamn children that she birthed. Excuse me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that can be done. Um, the other thing that can uh give Gary Owens back some of his money is if Kendra Duke gets remarried. Mm. The minute she gets remarried. And or he can show the court that she's cohabitating and providing for another spouse like partner. He's off the hook because at that point she becomes the financial responsibility of her then spouse, either legally or uh, in uh, circumstantial. And I bring that up because I happen to know somebody who was very wealthy. This happened to be the wealthy man. He -hmm. was divorcing his, you know, estranged wife. Uh-huh. He was, and this was years, like 20 years ago. He was paying her $30,000 a month Back on then. top of child support. I know it's a lot of money, child. So a lot wow. of people, a lot of money out here. And then this woman had the nerve to move a whole goddamn grown ass man into the house <laughs> and was like, well, we not married. So no, that doesn't fly. Uh, ladies nor gentlemen, if you're going to function as man and wife, you got to give up that spousal support. Yeah. Um, so that's what ended up happening there. So it's real out here, y'all. Don't start no shit you can't finish. 
If you're in a marriage, I don't care your gender. I don't care your sexual orientation. Okay. If you allow a situation where you become the providing spouse and you have a dependent spouse, you're subject to pay spousal support when the shit goes left. That's real. Know that. That's real. Man. Well, you know, I, I really, there's just really nothing left to say at this point. Like they just have to figure that shit out um, and get it together. I, I, I can't imagine. I always talk about how I say, you know, what I always say, every keep it player, you know, I just mm-hmm. can't imagine like living with someone, having children with someone for that long. Okay. Mm-hmm. And things may not work out in the end, but there should be some sort of just spirit of, you know, let's make this as peaceable as we can. Like, child the streets the streets another story this was a uh, much much deeper in nature that caught my eye over the weekend dustin it is the fact that you know we know that when our brothers and sisters and non-binaries are killed by law enforcement uh they will use any fucking thing to make it look like it's something other than law enforcement taking our very lives we know this yes. uh, breaking breaking news just almost as we are recording this podcast. The brother in North Carolina, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, Andrew uh, Brown Jr. D.A. saying his killing being shot in the back of the fucking head God. deemed justified. But so far, won't let us see the tape. Won't let us see the tape. <sighs> I, I don't even I literally don't have the words, Ebony. I literally don't have the words. No, it's a damn shame. This is about how the the New York Times busted shit wide open. They did an investigation where they were able to find over the past 25 years, 46 cases where medical examiners, this is a conspiracy we're talking about. Medical examiners, forensic pathologists, those are the people that, uh, you know, investigate the medical cause of death that is then, and then they're typically used to testify at trial law enforcement officials or the defense counsel for the wrong, the, the accused wrongdoing badass Apple cops, they all conspire to say that the cause of death for many of these black uh, victims of police violence is sickle cell trait. Give me a goddamn break. Sickle cell trait. Now this is some bullshit. Now we all know, that black people are disproportionately uh, uh, affected by the, the sickle cell trait. Now, yes. I want to make clear, Dustin Ross, sickle cell trait is not the same as having sickle cell disease. Yes. Right. Okay. Almost one in 13 people have the sickle cell trait, trait. And that's one in 13 people of any race. And very, very, very few of them end up with actual sickle cell disease. And most all of the people that do end up with sickle cell disease are of African descent. Yes. So how convenient, Duster Ross, how convenient that even in cases where it has been reported that there was gun violence or uh, blunt force trauma by the way of a police baton or taser or other traumatic, horrific execution of violence against black people, that then a forensic pathologist, the doctors who are doing these autopsies or the state local coroners, Dustin Ross, cite for cause of death, sickle cell trait. Give me a, get, uh, 
See, see why I didn't have the words, Ebony. See why I didn't have the words. The fact that they would even be so low down and so, so, so vile mm-hmm. to attribute something that literally is obviously sickle cell trait don't give you a black eye. Sickle cell trait don't knock the teeth out of your mouth. Sickle cell trait doesn't shoot you dead. Okay. Sickle cell trait doesn't cut off the asphyxiation of your fucking esophagus. Come on now. And I say that because even as recent as the George Floyd case, Dustin, this is fucking nuts. The medical examiner, that piece of shit that we, you know, read for filth earlier on holding Mm -hmm, court, mm -hmm. um, got cases against his motherfucking trifling ass in the state of Maryland right now as we speak. Anyway, um, that medical examiner in George Floyd's case, Dustin, said that there were curved cells that were probably sickle cell trait and maybe that contributed to his cause of death. But, you know, the the devil is a lie. And thank God that uh, the judge found that that motion to include that as the cause of death was it was denied. That was an unsuccessful motion to dismiss the case for that reason. Uh, And nonetheless, though, if they could have gotten away with it, they would have, Dustin, they tried to include sickle cell traits that so many of us have yeah. as part of the cause of death to what? To relieve accountability for the knee that was placed on this brother's neck that caused him to die. They want to call it anything but what it is. Fucking murder at the hands of law enforcement. Exactly. How insulting, how inhumane, like I said, how vile. You just got to be a real special piece of shit. To say whoever whose idea was it? Who who said you know what? I know what we're about to do. We're gonna kill these niggas, and then when we when we have to say that there's something wrong with them, we'll just say they had the sickle cell trait because niggas. Isn't that crazy? Not even sickle cell disease. Like at least you go try to do some (laughs) trifling ass shit like that. Let it be somebody that had whole sickle cell disease. It's still fucked up, but at least that make a little bit more sense. Do you realize in this Times investigation piece, Dustin? Not one. Not one of those 46 people that they tried to pin this shit on had actual sickle cell disease. Mm -hmm. None of them. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. 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 Like you said, one of the cases, this is a a 30-year-old landscaper, a father of four by the name of K.C. Cage Singleton. Mm -hmm. This man uh, was chased into an apartment complex, hadn't even done shit. He was simply chased by law enforcement because he had on clothes that they say, they say, Dustin, look like a suspected robbers. They chased this man into an apartment, mm -hmm, shocked him with a stun gun, beat him with batons until his death. Hadn't even done anything wrong. And when he died, when they killed him, Dustin, the coroner uh, listed, like you said, all the things that actually happened, broken teeth abrasions, yeah. lacerations, all those things. And then when it came time to put the, the cause of death, you know what that motherfucker did? Man, Said man. undetermined and probable sickle cell trait. And in that case, the officers were never charged. Oh, it makes me, that is literally infuriating to hear. It makes you, it makes you mad and angry. If, if that doesn't affect you, if you're listening to this show and that, that does not affect you, you're just as bad as them. That is literally inhumane, and my God, the karma that can be coming back to these people. 
Because well, and this you is you just can't do that. Evan. No, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a perversion of of humanity yes. that is unfathomable, and that's why you really can't comprehend it, Dustin, because you are someone who carries your humanity with you. You wear your compassion for other people on your sleeve. It's something we were discussing on Horrible Decisions podcast. It's something that makes <laughs> you so beloved. No, it's true, and you should know that. Um, but everybody's not built like you, okay? And some people's lack of humanity is so corrosive that it causes them uh, to be the underbelly of society. And this is what's crazy. If you go back, y'all, jurors, I want you to go back to when Dustin and I broke down the verdict of the Derek Chauvin case. And what I told you was the most important thing, forget all them emotions of how we feel and all of that shit. The most important thing was what? The cause of death. Hmm. Because if the jurors were believing that the cause of death Whereas one of the medical experts said, which was asphyxiation, Derek Chauvin's ass was going to be convicted. And he was. But if they believe that other piece of shit medical examiner that I just told you about. That the defense counsel hired to convince those jurors that this man died, not because of the knee on his neck, but because he had fucking sickle cell trait. If they believe that, Dustin, that Derek Chauvin would be a free man right now. Mm. So this times piece, this investigation is very, 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 very critical. I want y'all to keep this in mind. Proving the cause of death when our people are killed by law enforcement is key. We will never get a conviction if we don't have a proper cause of death. And if they think they can get away with the shit killing us day in and day out and say it's cause of a sickle trail trait. My God. My God, Dustin. <sighs> We're hopeless. It makes you feel hopeless. It makes you feel um, just literally without any sort of 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 any sort of option for for right. for any type of fairness, for any type of, of of justice, for any type of fair treatment. We're just fucking doomed. If these people can literally make a ridiculous. Uh, a declaration like that, hey, this person is physically harmed and their their person is compromised because of a sickle cell trait and it yeah. gets pushed through, pushed across the desk. That is the, the corrupt, systematic, uh, racist injustice shit that we have to change. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I hope they all burn in hell. And I hope they all burn in hell. I right. agree with your brother. Listen, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to one more story here on our docket. And it's, it's one that hits close to home for me right now, Dustin, because mm-hmm. um, I'm in this home buying process. And y'all mm-hmm. won't believe the fuckery uh, that people have been up to to try to uh, deny some legal rights to mm-hmm. our people when it comes to this housing market. Uh, we got one more for you here on Holding Court. Stay with us. All right, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. We're going to wrap things up here uh, with a story that it's it's on the Internet. It's, it's really gone viral, D. I know you've seen it. This is a black woman homeowner who had her house appraised. Oh, and yeah. then she had her white friends stand in as her to give the impression that the home was owned by a white family instead of a black family. And what happened? <clears throat> what happened? Hmm, let me guess. The value the, went up. The appraisal oh, went yeah. Up. It went up, Dustin. It almost doubled. Wow. Ain't you got to laugh. Shit? You got to laugh. You just got to laugh. Just like you say, shameless. Yeah. Shameless. shameless. Wow. Just don't give a damn. So this is a woman named Carlette Duffy. 
Her house uh, is in Indianapolis, actually in the historic neighborhood of Flanner House Homes. Uh, and this was a neighborhood that was built to increase uh, black middle class life. Uh, and it is a damn shame that so this this woman owned this house. It was initially appraised uh, for one hundred and twenty five thousand. Then she brought another appraiser out and then they knocked the shit down to one hundred and ten thousand. Now mm. she's thinking, damn, how in just like a matter of weeks is my house already losing fifteen thousand dollars of value? So she became suspicious. She became suspicious. This mm. is what she did. She got a third appraiser. She said, I'm going to beat these motherfuckers at their own game. Brilliant move, Miss Carlette. Brilliant. She ca- talked to her, one of her white friends. She said, I'm going to restage my whole house. I'm going to take down all the black pictures. I'm going to take down all the black art. I'm going to take down, you know, anything that looks like a black person lives here. I'm going to tell the person that you're my brother. So then they're going to think that when they meet you, that means I'm white too. And they're going to have you guys present as the homeowner. So now it's a white owned house instead of a black one. And let's just see what happens to the appraised value of my home. Two days later, Dustin, <laughs> this woman got a thing, a letter in the mail that said her house is worth $259,000. Wow. Do you believe that? And the wow. saddest part, I mean, there's so many sad parts, but one thing that broke my heart was why was this woman trying to get her house appraised in the first place? Because she wanted to take out uh, uh, some money so that she could buy her grandmother's house to keep it in the family, to build that generational wealth that we so often talk about on this show. Yes, yes. Damn. And, and they stopped her dead in her tracks. Yeah, this one, <laughs> Carlette said this, Dustin. She said, I staged my home to look as ethnically neutral as possible. Mm. I was just so numb to it. And I think it was just so... It was it was more so numb just because of the fact that it's me going through this process like I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I just had to go through all of this uh, just to say that I was right and that this is what's happening and that this is real. So indeed, she was vindicated the minute she got that letter saying that now when we believe that this home is owned by white people, we're going to give you two hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars worth of value for it. Sadly, it 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 validated what this woman already knew which is that there is a rapid, massive discrimination in every sector, including housing in this country. Um, Mm. So she's suing. Good for her. Uh, She she is actually uh, bringing a claim uh, along with the Fair Housing Center of Central Indiana. They filed complaints with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, Okay, Hood, and she's yep. asking Hood. She's asking for the federal <laughs> agency to investigate all of these appraisals. Um, everybody involved is being named, including, of course, this company, Freedom Mortgage. Isn't that ironic? The motherfucking name is Freedom. Freedom. Mortgage. Freedom Mortgage. <laughs> Child, Harriet Tubman is rolling in her grave. The jokes um, right themselves, baby. This is hilarious. It's isn't not, that a mess? It is. Yes. A mess, a mess. Um, And she's suing them for some answers, right? Like to explain it to me, like I'm right. six years old. Make it make sense. Since y'all did it, now y'all explain this shit to me. Because here's the here's what happened. So right. since this is what happened, explain this shit to me. And I want to see what they got to say, Ebony. I can't wait to see what, uh, what, what they have to say. She says this in closing. I'm excited. I'm vindicated. Relieved. Angry. Extremely peeved. And since I can't say other exp- expletives that are running through me at this <laughs> point in time. Sounds like she's a woman after our own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I am destroyed 
that I had to go through all of that. But this is real. Now, just being able to prove it is the hard part. Uh, now, I, I know what she says to be accurate from firsthand experience. Let me tell you what I'm going through right now, Dustin. This shit blew my mind. Okay. Now, as you know, and I talk about this a lot on Roni, being a homeowner has been a goal of mine for a while. Yeah. And because of some, you know, irresponsible financial decisions I made earlier in my career, uh, it, it was out of reach for me for a long time. Okay. So recently, you know, God is good all the time. I have restored my FICO score. I have gotten my savings together. And to God be the glory, I've, I was able to qualify um, for a home mortgage here in Manhattan, you know, which at one point in time I didn't know would be possible. So Wonderful. I'm very proud of myself, excited. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the process. I'm buying my condo now here in Harlem. Okay. So I'm, I'm in the underwriting phase, right? Okay. We all know that's like the last part before the closing and the shit before gets the real line. real. Yes. Finish line. Do you know I found out from not just my lender, pretty much every lender in the game, that because my condo is in Harlem versus if this same exact condo with this extreme high price tag was located in, oh, I don't know, Tribeca mm -hmm. or Soho or hell, even the Lower East Side, mm -hmm. which isn't exactly glamorous. No. <laughs> uh, sorry, no shade, but oof, child, mm -mm, not for me. Um, <laughs> if you know, uh, you know. Well, go ahead. If you know, you don't. <laughs> Child. Um, even if it was on the Lower East Side, though, Dustin, do you realize I would only have to pay 10% down? What? For my mortgage versus the 20% I'm being required to pay? Because why? The All the banks, all the banks, honey, uh, deem my neighborhood to be of higher financial risk <sighs> can you believe that shit unbelievable first of all and that extra 10 percent equates to a lot of money when we're i was talking just gonna about say and properties. not for nothing you know this is um not a cheap house i'm buying yeah and so just know that that extra that's six figures difference yeah know that yeah damn ebony I couldn't believe it. I was like, and there's nothing you can do to, to, to circumvent that either. Like you have no, no, to. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you the, the solution. And then we're going to wrap up today's show, but I want everybody to sit on this and I want you to sit on this, Dustin, and I'm going to sit on this and we got to figure this shit out because what I know based off of this woman's story, what I know based off of my experience, what I know about a good friend of mine um, who ran into mortgage trouble as well, even though she had a, over an 800 FICO score mm -hmm. and literally a million dollars cash and nobody mm -hmm. would give her a fucking loan because she has a felony on her record that's 10 years old. God, my Ebony. These banks will do any and everything, Dustin, to keep wealth out of our hands. And so we as black folks that have been blessed with the means, I really think we need to start thinking about co-ops. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. we really need to start thinking about ways in which we can funnel the equity and cash that we do have our hands on to be able mm -hmm. to loan to one another and invest with one another so we can just cut these banks out the game entirely. Yeah. Because when we, when we have to need them, when we have to depend on them, this is the shit they do. Damn, Ebony. I, I mean, just to, to hear that, it's just it really gives you chills when you think about that. Like, th this is the difference. We're not going to tell you why other than the fact that, well, location, you know, we just consider it to be a whatever the fuck. But in order for you to move in this area that's associated with black people. Yeah. OK. Which, by yeah. the way. Double it. Not, yeah. Double it. Harlem is another not hundred thousand down. Harlem is not ghetto. Harlem is not um, unsafe. 
You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something, not- Dustin. Let me tell you something. Tell, bitch, I went to cuss that bank out so bad. Tell me how unsafe the building. This building has a fucking pool in the building. Come we on. have a state-of-the-art gym. We have a parking garage. This is in a Manhattan, okay? We have a fucking children's play area. Uh, the penthouses in my building are going for almost $3 million. Come so what on. what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, it's not <sighs> the building. That's what they say. It's, not the, it's a great building. We, we respect the builder. It's simply the location is deemed undesirable and of highest risk to our lenders. Crazy. Are you fucking kidding me. Crazy. Crazy, Ebony. But not It's called the black tax, Dustin. Yeah. It's the black tax. The black tax. But that's okay because it's going to be enough black people in positions to pay that motherfucker before you know it. And as you said, we're going to get smarter with our resources and, and our sense of community and pooling them together smartly to give people the lifting up that they need when they're ready for it. So that's okay. That's yeah, okay. We, you know, that's what we do here on Holding Court. We find solutions. We find yeah. workarounds. Because in the meantime, we're still going to get what's for us. Damn right. Because I already told the people, Dustin, I'm coming for what? Everything. Everything. Okay. Everything. <laughs> you better ask somebody. Everything. I love it. I love it. Listen, I love you, D. Listen, thank y'all love so much too. for listening. As always, y'all follow us, subscribe, give us the reviews, give us your show ideas. Dustin and I, we read it. We respond. We really, really are here for all of this engagement with our jurors because we love y'all and y'all make this show work. As always, yes, Holding Court comes to you from Uppity Productions. We're always in association with Dossie Media and presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. That's right. You know, you know. That's right. Uh, Audio services, as always, brilliantly provided by One of One Productions. Check out Faye and them. They're the best. Check them out at love One of One Productions. We love them.com. Y'all, please come back next week. Court will, of course, be back in session. And in the meantime, stay hydrated, stay safe, get vaccinated. I don't really give a fuck what the CDC is talking about. Wear you know, I'm mask. still going to be wearing my mask on the inside because <laughs> okay. I'm not fucking with none of y'all. Okay. I done got the COVID one time. I'm not about to get the shit again. We'll, we'll um, be twice. Just- <laughs> Dustin, what you want the people to always do? Uh, Read your terms and conditions, especially if you're on the Joe Budden. I knew you were going to go there. And I love you for it. Love y'all. Bye.